财富自由，富是父亲的富。两个中年爸爸闲聊美股、流行，另类育儿经。财富自由想象是百灵果跟古玩的结合。告诉你谁是 Magnificent Seven 科技七五四？你该买瘦瘦比双巨头吗？从马斯克到泰勒斯，从华尔街到好莱坞，我们都追得上。新的一年听新的 Podcast， 让我们一起财富自由。富是父亲的富哦。Global Voices on Taiwan. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Global Voices on Taiwan. I'm Rath Wang, a news producer and host. Hello, everybody. I'm Vincent Chow, a spokesman for the Lie Campaign. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be exploring with you on how the latest world events from near and far impact Taiwan and how this island nation shakes the globe. This is a new podcast show aimed at bringing new global perspectives on Taiwan to see Taiwan as the world sees Taiwan, and at the same time, to bring Taiwan closer to the international community. Now, we'll be looking to invite a number of international journalists, experts, and policymakers in future episodes to talk about Taiwan and to share their thoughts on current events we see here. With us today is Miles Yu. Director of the China Center at the Hudson Institute, based in Washington D.C., Miles was also the top China advisor to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo during the previous U.S. administration. Thank you so much for your time today, Miles. As a senior U.S. official, former and current, you said many times that Chinese aggression will not just stop at Taiwan; its ambitions are global. What does that exactly mean? Well, intrinsic to China's、uh, claim over Taiwan. Is、uh, not just a, a historical reason, but also it's a logic of aggression, and、uh, which is not just about Taiwan; it's about the half a dozen other countries、uh, along its borders. So、uh, that's why Taiwan is、uh, just the, the first link of a long chain of aggression. This is uh, a um, a growing global consensus,、uh, precisely because of this, and I think you know.、Uh, Less and less、uh, talk is spent on talking, treating the Taiwan issue as a sovereignty issue, whether China should own Taiwan、uh, or not. Thank you, Miles, for sharing that perspective. You know, I'm curious your thoughts about this, which is we've seen really attitudes and perspectives towards China change dramatically.、Um, not only when you were serving in the State Department, but in a sense of how it's been sustained since the Biden administration took power. And you know, I, I think. What's been gradually,、uh, I mean, accepted is this idea that China's rise is no longer benign, and that economic liberties that、um, that 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 have been a result of their accession to the WTO have not been sustained by political liberties. And so, as a result, how would you see that, and how would you see continuing U.S. perspectives on on the PRC as well as what the PRC represents today? Well, to understand the China thread, and you have to go through. Uh, different lenses, right? One of the most important ones you have to understand China's strategic intent. China's intent has always been belligerent and aggressive,、uh, because China believes that、uh, there is a global forces. There are global forces led by the United States trying to sort of a, a contain China's rise, try to basically get rid of the Chinese Communist Party rule. So because of that, China must counter、uh, with vengeance, and、uh, so the strategic intent. For China is always try to establish a global order led by its own model of governance. 
So that strategic intent has always been aggressive and inherently uh, belligerent. So the question then is uh, whether China can do that. So which brings us to the another lens that is uh, capabilities. So for several decades, China said, well, our capabilities are not there yet to realize our um, uh, strategic objective and end game. So what we're doing is, uh, as Deng Xiaoping said, Tao Guang Yang Hui, okay, so uh, 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 hide our strength and uh, bite for our time. So, uh, so that's why after several decades, they enjoy the international free trade system, enrich itself and empower itself economically, militarily, and institutionally. So now the difference is that for the last 10 years, uh, China says, well, we no longer need to hide or to bite for our time anymore because we are now capable of uh, doing what we want to do and to fully fulfill our strategic intention. So that's why the globe uh, uh, now is in great danger of this very inherently aggressive regime with the increasingly capable uh, uh, abilities to uh, carry out what it's, uh, uh, it's basically in the blueprint uh, tells the region to do. That is uh, basically to, to establish the global order of its own liking. And the first step, obviously, is to, is, uh, to, uh, to achieve a few military victories by, uh, by basically subjugating many of its neighbors. Um, so um, if, you, if you name it, I mean, right now, virtually every country around China's uh, periphery is nervous, uh, either open or, uh, or covert. Uh, you, you just think about Japan, South Korea, uh, Taiwan, Philippines, um, India, and, and Vietnam, uh, and even Australia. So there is this kind of a, a growing consensus that China is really no longer uh, sort of a benign. The benign uh, perception in the past, in the time of uh, uh, hiding and biting, uh, is nothing but deception. And China does not need that deception anymore. So it's become very open. That's why uh, the China threat is not only regional, but global. And, and I think the, uh, globally, it has been perceived that way. There seems to be many people, um, as Vincent mentioned earlier, even in Taiwan, um, around the world, especially in Southeast Asia, that sympathize with China's rising. It's a peaceful rise and that they're different from the U.S. and that they don't force local um, governments to do certain things. What do you say to that? I think that has something to do with this uh, uh, distrust of uh, America's ability to face the China challenge. So when they say, don't force us to choose sides between China and the United States, that does not necessarily mean they endorse the Chinese uh, uh, model of governance. It just means they're not sure whether the United States is going to be able to win in this uh, uh, great competition, right? So what's the narrative, Miles? That's why it's very important for the United States to have self-governance, to build our capability to counter China's aggression. And uh, that would in involve a, a methodic uh, regrouping of our friends and allies in the world and to have a sharper focus and to retool our national defense and the intelligence establishment to basically face the China challenge altogether. So only then. Uh, and we gain total trust of our friends and allies so that, so that they would not hedge anymore. Well, Miles, th thank you for that. And uh, you're talking about many of the policy that you worked on when you were at the State Department. And I think uh, this has been one of the few policies in the United States of broad 
bipartisan support here vis-a-vis um, -vis China and competition there. I'm curious your thoughts about what Taiwan should be doing a little bit more of. And we've seen recently actions that have been taken to enhance our security. We've seen the reintroduction of a one-year conscription. We've seen the shift towards asymmetric. We've seen, seen a newfound um, emphasis on economic security, um, particularly in terms of building a closer trade linkage with the United States. I mean, aside from many of the things that we're seeing taking place now, I mean, what would your thoughts be, Miles, outside from U.S. perspective, but on how Taiwan could ready ourselves to ensure that we can maintain peace and stability here uh, rather than um, to be a victim of CCP coercion? So the strategic context in which Taiwan has become the uh, hotspot of global security and world peace has changed completely. Uh, in the past, for several decades, it's a matter of uh, political legitimacy, which uh, government in Taiwan or Beijing represents a real China. In other words, it's a historical debate. It's an issue of sovereignty, right? So that was no longer, that is no longer the context. The new context is very different. It's completely different. Number one, Taiwan has become a vibrant democracy in the last uh, 20, 30 years. And it has developed its own unique nationhood, a completely democratic and free lifestyle. It's very different. Taiwanese uh, have a new nationhood. So it's very different. So now when we talk about the Taiwan problem, so when China wants to conquer Taiwan, it's not just a matter of sovereignty issue. Far more importantly, it's a matter of freedom versus tyranny and autocracy versus democracy. That's why the globe, the world, looks at the Taiwan issue in an entirely different context. Certainly the United States looks at it that way. Number two, uh, the new context within which Taiwan operates, the Taiwan issue evolves, is also because uh, Taiwan is no longer a passive player in this whole geopolitical competition. Taiwan is a vital a member of a global community. Uh, you have a very robust economy. You have achieved incredible technological and, uh, uh, and uh, 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 cultural achievements. So in other words, I like the part of what you say in your instruction, how Taiwan shapes the rest of the world. That's precisely what Taiwan is doing. So uh, it's not just a matter of how U.S or democracies from outside can help, can help Taiwan. In a certain degree, we should ask the question how Taiwan should help the rest of the world. Because uh, uh, not just, you know, uh, you, have, you have taught us so many things. Uh, just look at a semiconductor, the way you handle your, uh, your, your COVID situation and uh, your political uh, uh, processes were absolutely fantastic. And I might also say that uh, you have this incredible power inspiration for people inside China. And that is your strength. And that is uh, your best defense. And that is your democracy, your way of life. It's the envy of a lot of people, particularly the envy of Chinese people. So that's why I think the global confidence in the longevity of Taiwan as a free and a democratic country uh, has increased dramatically because you are no longer alone. And I don't think Taiwan should think that way 
um, anymore. I understand there's a local politics, the election coming up. There are certain elements in your uh, uh, polity always try to portray Taiwan as a victim, as a sort of a, a chess to be played by big powers. That is entirely not true and also is unnecessary. Well, that was precisely my follow-up question, actually, Maya. So you took that question right right away from me, which is but perfect because that's a segue into my question in terms of being this, in terms of, yes, I mean, there is that narrative in Taiwan that um, Taiwan is a pawn between great power competition, that the U.S. is goading us uh, into being their Ukraine um, on uh, vis-a-vis China. Uh, and the sense that, you know, Taiwan should avoid being caught in this trap by great powers. But, you know, I think there's many, many flaws with that argument. I mean, first of all, being the, the fact that that rests on assumption that China's intentions are completely benign and that China has no intention to subjugate Taiwan and China has a full intention of competing with the United States. Now, I think it tends to be the case where China actually does have an intention because they've made it quite clearly that Xi Jinping does want to um, unify Taiwan by force if necessary. But also um, to the fact that it rests on the assumption uh, that Taiwan has no agency and that we have no free will and that our, the protection of our democracy and freedoms is not worth um, standing up for. So, you know, I, I am curious to hear a bit about your response to that. I'm not going too deep into domestic politics here, but I think this is an overall concept that's worth exploring in further detail. Taiwan has enormous agency in deciding the international pattern, particularly the uh, peace and the security in the Indo-Pacific area. You have uh, people, you have politicians from Japan, from Australia, even from South Korea and from Philippines, for example, who have said that Taiwan's survival and, uh, and your prosperity, your continuing vibrancy in practicing your democratic way of life uh, is not just Taiwanese problem, is there problems too. So that's why, I don't think people in Taiwan should constantly think of myself as a little player. Um, you should think of myself as a leading force along with many friends and allies in the region uh, fighting for the common cause. Um, and uh, I'm also very, very um, uh, sort of uh, encouraged by the fact that a uh, growing number of uh, people in Taiwan view themselves from a global and more cosmopolitan uh, point of view. For example, uh, when I was in Taiwan last time, it was right after the Russians war on Ukraine. I mean, war in Ukraine is several thousand miles away, but it touches every Taiwanese heart. Everybody was up in arms in support of Ukrainian people's fight for their own sovereignty, independence, because people in Taiwan see the similar fate because of uh, uh, Russia's aggression against Ukraine and China's aggression against Taiwan share exactly the same logic of, of, uh, of, of war and uh, aggression. So that's why uh, Taiwanese people's uh, own future is intrinsically tied with the future of the world and certainly with the people in, in the region of the Asia Pacific. You go to Japan, you go to, uh, go to South Korea, I mean, you probably speak the same language in face of the China challenge. So uh, uh, I don't think that Taiwanese should feel isolated in this, uh, this fight. United States definitely don't think so. Um, so because uh, more and more American people uh, are realizing uh, fighting for Taiwanese is not just for fighting for Taiwanese, uh, it's fighting for American democracy as well. 
I mean, you you see the uh, the recent uh, public opinion polls in the United States. I mean, more and more people, you know, some polls, even majority of American people, say the United States um, should uh, 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 help Taiwan through means of arms. Uh, and uh, definitely, our political leaders have made that vow decisively and repeatedly. So um, this is uh, uh, there is no such thing called strategic ambiguity when it comes to defense of Taiwan. I think China knows that too, uh, to be honest with you. So uh, uh, don't just uh, sell yourself short uh, for your own uh, uh, democratic virtues and for your important role in deciding your own future. Uh, because after all, what's going on in Taiwan is going to touch upon a much larger uh, 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 parts of the world. So the, that's all I have to say. I hope that I make my point clear. Miles, it's heartwarming to see all the support pouring um, from the U.S. and the world. But what's at stake for Taiwan's future? I mean, what are some of the elements at play here? I'm not talking about the presidential election and just election itself. But as we think really about um, cross-strait relations going forward, as we think about Taiwan-U.S. relations going forward, as we think about priorities and prioritizations from not only Taiwan and the United States, I mean, what does the future hold uh, for Taiwan and the region? And what does the future look like in your perspective? Uh, that's a very good question, and it's not an easy uh, question to answer. But let me try this way. Uh, the world, uh, definitely the United States, is increasingly aware this profound dilemma of our times. That is, uh, Chinese Communist Party is not going to reform, is not going to change its way of behavior. Yet, China must change uh, because the world cannot uh, continue with a big country like China uh, uh, behave the way it does, um, with the ambition to uh, dominate the globe. But the change must come from within China. Uh, no foreign government uh, can actually impose upon a regime change easily, shall we say. So how do we then make that happen? I think one of the most important things uh, to see a fundamental change within China is for the Chinese people to be treated uh, uh, with dignity and uh, uh, give them freedom, what they deserve. It's their unalienable rights. Uh, now, why is this related to Taiwan? How is it related to Taiwan? That's because you guys have already set up the model, the exemplary effect of Taiwanese democracy. Your free willing lifestyle has tremendous inspiration power over people of China. Uh, not maybe in a direct way because the Chinese government controls total information intake as well as total information interpretation. But in the age of information explosion, and I think you know the virtues of Taiwanese democracy uh, have become very obvious to a lot of people inside China. TV shows, your music uh, talents, um, your arts exhibition, all those things combine and, and uh, make a lot of people more and more aware that uh, there is a better future for themselves. And they have seen Taiwanese have done it. And Taiwanese share the same cultural, ethnic, and linguistic heritage. Even though they're a different country, they have a different kind of a, 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 a lifestyle. But still, you know, uh, uh, if Taiwanese can do that, uh, why can't we? If Taiwanese people can freely elect their leaders, and Chinese people should do it, uh, have the same thing. So you see, Growing intellectual discourse, 
growing popular awareness of the goodness of Taiwan. And that's why, that's where Taiwan's future is. Taiwan's future is to inspire, to lead uh, the democratic way of life for the entire region. This is not just because Taiwan wants to export its own way of life. It is for Taiwan's self-defense also because unless Chinese uh, government changes, Taiwan wouldn't have no peace. Uh, uh, so that's why I think Taiwanese should have their own what uh, the Chinese Communist government says, uh, 制度自信, the institutional confidence, right? So uh, you should have, should have confidence in yourself, in your own system. So that's why I think Taiwan is very important and that's the future of Taiwan. And also that's the future of China and the future of East Asia for, to, in the larger context. Well, that's very aspirational, Miles. Certainly we share those aspirational sentiments. We do believe that our democratic values are what define us and what makes Taiwan worth defending, not only in our domestic context, but internationally as well. Um, I'm so grateful for your time um, joining us from Washington, D.C. for our inaugural podcast show. Uh, you've been a very, very good friend of ours, not only when you were serving in the U.S. administration, uh, but also um, we're extremely grateful for all the um, all the outreach that you've done uh, since leaving government over at Hudson as well and all the research you've done into the cross-strait situation. So we're extremely grateful for your time. Thank you so much, Miles. Thank you, Miles. Well, thank you, Vincent. Thank you, Russ, for giving me this opportunity to share my thoughts with you.